Hi, this is Dr. Jonathan Vorce's daughter, Nikki, from Lakewood Family Church. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, helps you, and uplifts you. We're here to win the lost, to train disciples, and to make Jesus famous. Hope you enjoy the message today. Praise the Lord. Y'all ready for some word? All right, grab your Bibles. Let's turn to the book of Matthew. We're in the book of Matthew. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking about the commands of Jesus. And, uh, of course, our, we know our springboard is the Great Commission. Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Today we are going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and uh, we're going to look at three specific commands that Jesus gave us and all three of these commands deal specifically with warnings against religious hypocrisy in three different areas. So we're going to talk about those today and we're going to ask the Lord to help us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the anointing, the wisdom. We thank you for uh, the power to be able. We thank you for the power of the word that changes us and transforms us. I pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be dealing specifically with verses 1 through 18, and we'll do that by course as we get to each little section. But in, the, but in the book of Matthew chapter 6, in the first half of this chapter, Jesus deals specifically with three different areas of practical righteousness in an, in an individual's life. The first thing that he deals with is our charitable deeds, our giving. The second thing he deals with is our prayer. And the third thing that he deals with is our fasting. Specifically, he is warning us uh, concerning... Uh, being religious in these areas. He's warning us about the hypocrisy that we can find ourselves in when it comes to these particular areas. And we're going to be spending probably the majority of our time on the first one. And it's not really, even though it's about giving, it's really going to be more about the tail end of it. And there's something the Lord dropped in my spirit that I felt like was a divine direction from the Lord to give to you all today. And I believe it's going to help uh, you. The, the name Father is found 18 times, uh, is found 10 times in these 18 verses. 10 times in these 18 verses. And so what this teaches us is that the things that we do should be for His approval and not for the approval of others. And that is, that is in a nutshell what Jesus was trying to tell them. But He was trying to tell them this in three specific areas. So let's read the first four verses and we will begin. It says, Take heed therefore, or take heed that ye do not your alms uh, before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you do your alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father which sees in secret himself shall reward you openly. Now some people have taken 
uh, verse number 3, where it says, Let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. And they have inaccurately interpreted what this particular uh, saying means. What this really talks about in a condensed form is that we're not to be braggadocious in what we do. Now the Bible does not say that people are not supposed to see you give. And, I, and we will clarify that here as we reread verse number 1. Take therefore that you do not your alms before men. Now if God didn't want us to do our alms before men, He would have put a period there. But He didn't. He just put a comma. And then He said that ye may be seen of them. Or to be seen of them. So it's not that we're not supposed to give when other people are giving, but we're not to give for the purpose of, of being seen by other people. Uh, in the Old Testament, they, when they received offerings, they used to have an offering box in what we would call the vestibule or the, op- or the entryway of the church. And so they didn't receive, they didn't pass the buckets and things like that like we do. But what they would do is when people would come to church... They would bring their gifts and sometimes they would give jewels and sometimes they would give gold and sometimes they would give things like that and they would just put all of that in a box. Sometimes the wealthy people would bring like a box full of stuff and just dump it and people would see that out there in the entryway. Well, we see Jesus addressing this with His disciples. There was a group of guys hanging around. Jesus was one of them. And there was a woman that came in and she had two mites. And those two mites was just like a half pence. They didn't, not worth hardly anything, but was all she had. And so Jesus went, Jesus uh, pointed out to the disciples. He said, now look at her. She put everything that she had in there. This woman has given more than all of these wealthy people have given. So it's not so much how much we give. It's how much we give in proportion to what we have to give that God looks at. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And some people, you know, that are wealthy, they ought to give more than people that are not wealthy. They should give in proportion to how God has blessed them. So, when they do that now, the Word of God tells us that they shouldn't do it to be seen of men. So they shouldn't say, oh, look at me, I'm going to give $5,000. Or look at me, I'm going to give $10,000. They shouldn't be doing things like that. But there's nothing wrong with them walking up and putting money in a box while other people are putting money in the box at the same time. So this thing about not letting your left hand know what your right hand does, so I don't mark anything down because the Bible says that. that what that's talking about is your attitude in giving. Now let's go on and the Bible says, Therefore when you do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And then it goes on and it reiterates that they may have glory of men. says it again in verse number 2. That they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So this is religious hypocrisy in giving. Some people give to be seen of men. Then we, we have the scripture, when you do alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father which sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, that part of rewarding you openly is the part that I want to focus on just a little bit here this morning and spend a little bit of time drilling down on. We know that not to be seen of men, giving to not be seen of men is the command here. It's not... 
not that men wouldn't, wouldn't see you give or women, but that we shouldn't do it for the purpose of being seen of them. Now, when it comes to us receiving our reward, the Bible teaches us that we sow and we reap. We don't reap if we don't sow. Some people say, well, I didn't sow and I reaped. You sowed something. The Bible said if you, if you sow the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. If you, say, if you sow chaos, you're going to reap colossal chaos. If we sow peace, we will reap peace. Whatever we sow, that's what we reap. In order to receive the reward from the Lord, we have to be humble and we have to be patient. Now, the Word of God teaches us that those that sow or give to be seen of men have received their reward. When we sow in humility, then we have to be patient and wait for that which we've sown in secret for God to reward us openly. And so that patience takes the pride out of us. So there's a time span there. There's a time frame there. One of the signs that we are maturing in God is we start talking more about God than we do ourselves. That's one of the signs that we're maturing in the Lord. Instead of, oh, look what I did, now it's look what the Lord did. You know, instead of look what I gave, it's, uh, it, it's look, what, look, look how we were able to bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to give. Thank you for the provision, Lord. Because we couldn't give if you had not given it to us or given us the ability to get it. So humility and patience go together. You know, pride makes you want to brag about what you did. Humility in waiting for the reward, humility takes that pride out of us. Look at your neighbor right now and say these words, God's timing is impeccable. Say that. God's timing. <laughs> waiting upon the reward is difficult. Now, this is what I want to talk to you about for, just, for uh, probably longer than anything else I'm going to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about this over the next five or ten minutes. I want to talk to you about God's timing in our lives. Because sometimes we get in the way of God, don't we? Sometimes we try to get in front of God. Sometimes we're lagging behind God. Sometimes, you, you know, it takes time for the anointing to mature us. Now, let me give you some examples of this, some biblical examples. The Bible said that the prophet Samuel uh, went to Jesse's house and God had told the prophet Samuel that he was going to anoint a king from among the sons of Jesse. So all of the other sons come through and the Bible said the prophet Samuel says, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. Finally he looks at Jesse and he says, don't you have another son? He said, well I do, but he's out there taking care of the sheep and he's probably not the right person. He's ruddy or ruddy or whatever and that means that he's just a little bit wild and probably wild red hair, probably freckles and, and he sure enough smelt like sheep because he was taking care of sheep. He said, well bring him to me. And said so they brought David, what we know later as King David, that wrote most of the Psalms. They brought David to the prophet Samuel while he was a teenager. And David comes into the presence where all of his other brothers are. And the prophet Samuel looks and says, this is the man. And David knelt down before the prophet Samuel. And the prophet Samuel anointed David to be king of Israel. 
Now here's the key. It wasn't until 13 years later that David actually became the king. He carried that anointing around inside of him for 13 years. He had a king's anointing inside of him. He could see things that other people could not see. He had a boldness that other people did not have. But he had to wait for it. He had to wait for the timing. And in the process of that timing and, and waiting, there were some, some key things that happened. Here is a young man. What do you think David did? After that moment, after he's there and, and Samuel empties that horn of oil over his head and prays over him and declares, you're going to be the king of Israel and we're anointing you as the king of Israel. What do you think David did? Do you think he went in the other room, took a bath and put on a kingly robe and put a crown on his head and said, no, I'm a... no you know what he did? He went back to the sheep. He went back to the field. He went back out there to play his harp and sing unto the Lord. He went back out there to lead the sheep around into places where they could eat and to protect them from the lions and the bears. And one day there was a servant that came to David and said, Your father needs you at the house. And so he goes down to the house and his father told him, he said, Listen, he said, Your brothers are off fighting. The Philistines have attacked us and they're over fighting and they need lunch. And this man, this young man who had a kingly anointing upon him, anointed by the prophet of God, Samuel himself, became a servant and carried lunch to those that God had passed over. Think about that. He could have said, let them get their own lunch. I'm anointed to be the king of Israel. He could have said, you don't know who you're talking to. Weren't you here a couple of months ago when, when uh, Samuel poured that anointing on my head and said I was going to be the king? Why do I need to take them lunch? But he didn't do that. You know what he did? He said, sure, Dad, I'll do that. And he took lunch and he went over there. And while he was going over there, he heard this Philistine roaring by the name of Goliath. Something rose up in him and... He said, how dare he defy the armies of the living God. Listen, that wasn't rising up in his brothers. They were hiding behind rocks. They were hiding behind trees. They were afraid just like the rest of them were. But there was something different in David. There was a king's anointing inside of David. That's what was there. But his timing was still not yet. And so he goes, and we don't have time to get into this whole story, but he goes and he talks to Saul, and he goes and he fights Goliath, and, and he throws a, you know, the, the stone, and does the stone with the slingshot, and, and runs, the Bible said he ran toward the giant, and the giant fell to the earth, and he took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off, and he picked up his head, and the Bible said he stood upon the giant and held up the head of, that, of their champion, and the Philistines took off running, and then all of a sudden all these warriors from Israel decide they're going to give chase now. Now David could have said, this is my moment. This is my time. It's time for me to become the king. It's time for me to step in. But even though God had manifested through him, even though God had used him to slay the, uh, Israel's arch enemy, the timing was still not right. He had to wait. So as time went on, the Word of God tells us that there were times he could have tried to fast track that. There were times when the king of Israel, Saul, tried to kill David. David would not, uh, David would not counterattack Saul. 
Why would he not counterattack? He had a king's anointing inside of him. The prophet of God said, you're anointed to be the king. He had that king's anointing inside of him. Why didn't he just say, it's time for me. This is my moment. This is my time. He wouldn't do that. He was waiting on God's timing. He had the opportunity once. He was hiding in a cave. Saul was out with his army trying to find David so he could slay him, so he could kill him. And David and his mighty men, the Bible says, are in a cave. And Saul comes in to go to sleep. And David sneaks over there and his, and his, arm, his men, they told him, they said, this is your opportunity, kill him, get rid of him. He won't, then you can be the king. And so he didn't, but he didn't do that. He went and he cut a little piece of his garment off. And when Saul got up and went outside the cave, the Bible said David stood in the mouth of the cave and held up that piece of his garment and he said look he said I could have killed you but I didn't kill you why didn't he kill him because it wasn't his timing it wasn't it was the wrong time for him to be king and so as time went on eventually 13 years after he was anointed he finally stepped in to that anointing what was going on during those 13 years here's what was going on the anointing that was in him was maturing him for the task There are so many people today that God has called, that God has anointed, that God has put gifts in and that God has put talents in and just because they've been prophesied over and just because they they felt the anointing and just because they felt the power of God, they want to just take off and go do their own. Bless God, I'm going to step in and their timing is off. And that's why it's so important, no matter what the anointing is, no matter how much of the power of God that you feel surging through your bones, no matter, you've got to wait on God's timing. The Bible said, Thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. There is an appointed time for the anointing that God poured in you to start flowing through you. But when we step out before God's timing, then we create chaos and we create a problem for ourselves. Another uh, example here is Moses. Moses was selected by God when he was an infant and put into an ark and sent uh, down the Nile River. Moses was selected by God to be the one that would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. It wasn't until 80 years later that that anointing matured and manifested and he stood in the same courts that he was trained in and looked at Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. If if Moses would have done that when he was 16 year, 60 years old, he would have been off his timing. If he would have done it when he was 70 years old, he would have been off of his timing. But he had to wait until God manifested himself to him in a burning bush in the desert that burned and wasn't consumed. He had to wait for the command of God to say the time is to go now. Go now. So I want to encourage you here this morning to wait on God's timing. God has some things for you to do. God has an anointing upon your life. God has put gifts in you. God has put talents in you. You can have an anointing to do business. You can have an anointing uh, to be a great prayer warrior. You can have an anointing that can change the course of nations. That anointing can be in you, but don't step out until God says, now it's time to let it flow through you. And here's the thing that I found out about that anointing flowing through us. 
Once that anointing starts flowing through us, then it doesn't quit working to mature us. At that point, it's like the entry level and God starts preparing us for the next level that we're going to and then the next level that we're going to and then the next level that we're going to. And if we don't watch it, we can get sidetracked by trying to fast track what God is doing inside of us. So here's the message, I think, off of verse number four. Wait on it. Wait on it. Wait for the reward. Wait for the manifestation of the anointing. Wait for God to tell you now is the time to talk to that neighbor about Jesus. Now is the time to talk to that co-worker about Jesus. Now is the time to talk to that family member about Jesus. We can't win people to Jesus when the fruit is not ripe for the picking. Selah. We can't win people to Jesus when the fruit is not ripe for the picking. Some sow, some water... The Word of God says God gave the increase. Just because you're not the one picking the fruit doesn't mean you didn't have a part in that fruit coming into uh, maturation or maturity. Now, uh, Jesus is a great example of this. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God, waited until He was 30 years old to start His public ministry. Do you remember what Jesus told his mother at the wedding of Cana in Galilee? Do you remember that? She comes to him and she says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And she says, you need to turn this water into wine. And he looked at his mother and he he said, woman, and that was, you could do that back then. (laughs) Better be careful. You probably don't want to do that now, but you could do that back then. He said, woman, my time is not yet. Did you hear what he said? He said, my time is not yet. The Son of God said, it's not my time yet. Well, he's still, she just looks around because this is what mamas do, you know. She looked at the disciples and said, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And so he told them to fill it up with water and he turned the water into wine. But Jesus specifically said... My time is not yet. There are some ministers that you know today, some that you have set under their ministry, some that you've been blessed by their ministry, some in person and some maybe in media ministry that you would not know today if they would have missed God's timing for them. One of the greatest examples, I shared it in the first service, one of the greatest examples I can think of is Bishop T.D. Jakes. Bishop T.D. Jakes was preaching a pastor's conference, uh, preaching a seven-minute segment in a pastor's conference at Carlton Pearson's church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And during that seven minutes, uh, or during that conference, uh, Paul Crouch was sitting at home, who was the founder, him and Jan Crouch, the founder of TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And Paul decided, we're going to carry this conference. And he was sitting at home in his chair when Bishop T.D. Jakes's seven minutes came up. Bishop T.D. Jakes got up there and he preached and God had changed what he was supposed to speak and God spoke to him and said, I want you to speak on spiritual fatherhood. And so for seven minutes, Bishop T.D. Jakes, in true Jakes fashion, and God, just like true Jakes fashion, God did this. and You know, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Anyway, and so there he is, 
So he speaks on spiritual fatherhood. This got Paul Crouch's attention. Because Paul Crouch, earlier that morning and, and, and the day before, he told the story. I heard Paul Crouch tell the story. He said, earlier that morning and the day before, he said, I had just been grieving and talking to the Lord and said, you know, why didn't I have a good father when I was growing up? And now God speaks to this man to speak about spiritual fatherhood and he has seven minutes to do it. And he spoke. And it just so happened that during that seven minutes, Paul Crouch, the founder of TBN, was sitting down. There's a whole lot of things that had to take place in order for that exposure. Paul, now, now, what happened was, uh, you know, they got connected. And, and uh, obviously, you know, Bishop T.D. Jakes' ministry is, is international, has been for many years now. And God has used him to meet, reach literally hundreds of thousands of people. But let's think about this. What if... Bishop T.D. Jakes would have said, you know what? They pastored a small church in West Virginia. They were doing the Women Thou Art Loosed conferences. And he said a big crowd was 400 people. Now they get 30 and 40,000. But a big crowd was 400 people. What if Bishop T.D. Jakes would have said, you know, Tulsa is a long ways from West Virginia. And I just don't know if I want to make that trip. What if Paul Crouch would have said, you know, I don't think we're going to carry this. There's other good Christian things that we can carry on our network. What if Paul Crouch, what if Paul Crouch would have got up and went into the kitchen and just made a sandwich during those seven minutes? Hmm? Think about it. Think about it. What if Bishop T.D. Jakes would have listened to his detractors and you know his comforters, like Job's comforters, back at home? They told him, they said, you're never, ever going... Because he had this vision for the ministry that he has today. And they said, you're never, ever going to reach that. And, they, and he asked them, how come? They said, because you're big and you're black and you sweat a lot and you've got this big gap between your teeth when you preach. And when you preach, you don't even look at the people. You just, you just go, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. What if he would have listened to them? But he didn't. The point that I'm trying to make is God had a time, a specific set time. Paul Crouch had to obey God to build TBN. Paul Crouch had to be in that chair and be ready to hear that message. T.D. Jakes had to be faithful in pastoring the church that he was pastoring in West Virginia, which was a small church. He had to be faithful in the conferences they were reaching as far as they could reach with everything that they had, kind of like us. They had been doing that, but there came a time when God says, it's your appointed time. And the anointing that was in him that had started to trickle through him now became a rushing torrent. And people's lives all over the world have been changed and transformed because of the anointing on his life. It all came down to timing. The reward will come. The Father who sees in secret will reward you Openly. 
Just because you're carrying an anointing inside of you and just because you want to help God and just because you say, bless God, God has given me, God has given me this vision. You know, God gave me the vision for a Bible college when I was laying on my floor at a prayer meeting at 17 years old on Arch Street Pike in Little Rock, Arkansas. A two-hour time in the presence of God. I thought I was leaving the prayer meeting. I reached out and grabbed the doorknob getting ready to open it onto the front porch and the power of God hit me out of nowhere and sent me backwards and for two hours I was under the power and at 17 years old God put a vision in me for a Bible college. It was, I was 50 years old before it came. 50. And now it's working us over, isn't it Dr. John? It's growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Just working us over. Let's do a couple more practical examples because I want you to get this timing. This is God's message. And then we're just going to touch the other two things. But this timing is, is God's message to us today. In the first service, I asked people to raise their hands that knew about mechanics. And we had just about as many women as we did men raise their hands. So, Anyways, so... Let's, let's look at it from a mechanical perspective. If you have a car that's jumping time, what's going to happen to that car? It's not going to run, is it? It's going to eventually lose power. It's going to damage the engine. It's going to eventually break down. And you're going, to found it, you're going to find it like you find a lot of the Fords found on road dead. I'm sorry. Couldn't. Fastest on road daily. I'm sorry. Where's Billy? Is he here? I think he was in the first service, fastest on road daily. I said that for his benefit, and he was in the first service. Okay. Well, listen, there's a lot to be said about jumping time when it comes to God, when it comes to the call, when it comes to the anointing. I've been in these green rooms. Some of you have been there before with me. Some of you have been there without me. Some of you have been there. The Lord has put you in those green rooms. And you see these men of God and women of God coming into these green rooms before these services. And, and uh, you know, uh, you're thinking, wow, it's going to be a great service. And then you're disappointed at the attitude that is displayed in that green room. They walk in there and they are aloof and they are arrogant. And they throw their nose up in the air and they think they're all that in a bucket of chicken. And everybody knows if it wasn't for KFC, they wouldn't be worth nothing. Seriously. And you wonder, you ask yourself the question, God, why in the world? How are you using them? How are you using them the way that you are using them? Well, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Here's what they don't understand. They have their reward. When I walk into those green rooms sometimes and I see uh, the, the attitudes that are displayed there, I am so disappointed. And... Uh, I've found out that a lot of times those that, you know, they'll, they'll come in and, and I've been going into, the, into these. And a green room is a place where like when you go to a different place and there's a conference or something, some of us are asked to just come there and that's where the ministers can gather together and talk and network and different things like that. And I have watched through the years how that some of them would come in and when they first started coming in, they were humble and they were grateful and they were thankful and they were powerful and they were anointed. But as God began to elevate them, all of a sudden they started walking in and just looking around and 
who's here that I can connect with that can get me just a little bit farther down the road or push me just a little bit higher. And before long, they're walking in and they're wanting everybody to think, they're the guy, you come to me now. And they stick their nose up in the air. And then all of a sudden, you walk into a green room later on and they're nowhere to be found. What happened? Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Listen to me, those of you that are training for ministry, listen to every word I'm getting ready to say. It's not long, it's one phrase, but you've got to remember it. You ready? Are you ready? Here it is. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's not about me, and it's not about me being promoted. It's always about Jesus, don't let pride get you. Now, let me give you another example here. Come on, uh, Blake here. We're just about through. But let me give you another example. We're talking about God's timing. So let's talk about daylight savings time. Now I'm going to talk from a pastoral perspective because I hear stuff similar to this concerning other things, all right? So someone all of a sudden decides they don't like daylight savings time. And so, here's, and so here's what they say. They say, well, I don't agree with the clocks changing every year, twice a year. Now listen, so I'm just not going to participate. Well, you're always going to be early or you're always going to be late, you stubborn mule. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Just because your timing is not God's timing doesn't mean that your timing will work as good as God's timing. You're not God. I'm not God. None of us are God. I don't have to agree. God's ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts and His timing is not our timing. Listen, if we will be discerning and surrender to the direction of the Lord for our life, God knows the very best time for us. He knows when we will be ready spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, mentally, God knows when that precise moment comes. Now we can't miss it by trying to get in front of God and we can't miss it by being afraid to go through an open door. Well God, I see that door open but I don't want to miss you. So if it's open this time next week, I'll go through it then. Next week comes and that door's still open. It's not quite as open, but it's still there. Lord, I don't want to miss you. So if it's still open next week, then I'll really know it's you and I'll go through that door. And a month later, you say, I wish the Lord would just give me an open door. I've been waiting and I've been waiting and I've been waiting. And it's been right there all along. There comes a time when God will launch us. 
there comes a time when God will open the right doors. But we have to go through those doors. You say, well, what if I miss God's timing? Well, the Bible said that God will restore to us the years that the locust and the canker worm have eaten up. So God can repair. God can reconcile. God can restore. But it all depends on our attitude. It all depends on our attitude. So here's the YBH of these first four verses here. How am I going to be able to receive God's reward in my life? Well, you've got to pay attention to the rhythm that God has established for your life. And we do that by staying in the Word. We do that by surrounding ourselves with good people. We stay that by staying in the right rooms and soaking in the right kind of atmospheres. We, we, we do that by, by being careful and making sure that we're balanced in the different areas of our Listen, you need, and, and every single person that's in the ministry, you need to have a good balance between family and ministry and the people that you minister to. If you're lacking in any of those three areas, you're going to be deficient. Took me forever to learn that. But you got to have that. So you pay attention to the rhythm that God has established for your life. And then you surrender to that rhythm. You say, okay, Lord, this is where I am right now. And Lord, I realize the anointing that you have given me is for something that is much greater than what I'm doing right now. But I realize it's working on me. It's preparing me. It's getting me ready. So one day it'll begin to flow through me and I'll be able to do what I need to do for you. The second thing on the yes but hows is make sure that you don't jump the gun, but at the same time, make sure you don't lag behind. Stay in God's timetable for your life. Let God use you. And you say, well, how can I do that? Well, spiritual, spiritual mentors and spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers and good Christian friends can help you in that process. Do you know what a spiritual father is? It's just a grown-up spiritual son. That's what a spiritual father is. A spiritual father is a grown-up spiritual son. Generals didn't join the army as a general. They started as a foot soldier. And all of them have their boot camp stories. And their war stories. And their battle stories and their life stories. They have those stories to share. They didn't start as generals. Spiritual generals come through here. Spiritual generals come into our life. And we look at them and we say, wow, I know that's who God's called me to be. So tomorrow I'm going to go be a general. No. You got to sign up first to be a foot soldier. And to go through boot camp. And to fight some battles. And in boot camp, what happens in boot camp? They strip everything that's you away from you and then they turn you into a soldier. Right? That's what God does with us. Verses 5 through 15 is about prayer. And verses 16 through 18 is about fasting. And it really comes down to Don't pray to be seen of men and don't fast to be seen of men as well. 
So these three areas of religious hypocrisy when Jesus was teaching the disciples about, uh, about religious hypocrisy, he said, don't get caught up in giving to be seen of men. Don't get caught up in praying to be seen of men. And don't get caught up in fasting to be seen of men. Just do it for the Lord. Just do it for the Lord. And let the chips fall where they may. This help you? Let's all stand. Come on. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who helped to give to keep the gospel moving forward. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description or visit jvorse.org for more information. Please share, like, subscribe if you enjoyed our podcast. Take a screenshot and tag us at Lakewood Family Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.